giving and receiving. You know, some are able to receive and, and others aren't. You know, it's, it's an interesting thing. It's, it's not hard to receive a gift that's in this earth. If you think, uh, ladies, how hard is it for you to receive a diamond from your husband? Hard? Really? It's that hard? The guys are really happy tonight. How hard is it? It's not hard, is it? If your husbands give you a diamond, man, you just are so elated. Just give me that thing and let me put it on or, you know, put it on or wherever it's at, right? Some of the guys are thinking, Pastor, I didn't get her diamonds for Christmas, so please shut up, you know. Men, how hard is it for you to receive a large screen TV from your wives? Not hard at all, is it? You know, but I find it interesting that some are challenged with receiving the gift that God gave in His Son, Jesus Christ. Simply to acknowledge Him by giving the gift of worship back to Him. If you think about it, um, it is a privilege for us to worship God. It's a gift to Him, to be honest, because He gifted us with free will. And by giving us free will, we can choose to offer back to Him worship or keep it to ourselves and worship the creation rather than the Creator. We don't often think about the fact that we can bring God gifts, but the reality is this passage of Scripture captures that. And there were some men, we call them, they're called magi, right? The wise men. And they knew how to bring the King of kings and the Lord of lords gifts. Listen to this passage. Now after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, Behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who has been born, king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east and have come to worship him. When Herod the king heard this, he was troubled, and all Jerusalem with him. Now it's interesting, all Jerusalem was troubled, not so much because the wise men came saying this, but because when the king was troubled, the people are going to be troubled. It says that, uh, and when he had gathered all the chief priests and scribes of the people together, he inquired of them where the Christ was to be born. So they said to him, in Bethlehem of Judea, for thus it is written by the prophet, but you Bethlehem in the land of Judea are not the least among the rulers of Judah, for out of you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod, when he had secretly called the wise men, determined from them what time the star appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search carefully for the young child. And when you have found him, bring back word to me, that I may come and worship him also. Hmm. When they heard the king, they departed. And behold, the star which they had seen in the east went before them till it came and stood over where the young child was. When they saw the star, they rejoiced with exceedingly great joy. And when they had come into the house, they saw the young child with Mary his mother and fell down and worshipped him. And when they had opened their treasures, they presented gifts to him, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Then being divinely warned in a dream that they should not return to Herod, they departed for their own country another way. You know, Christmas is wonderful. All the lights, all the the fun parties and everything we'll go to. These wise men understood that this was a time of celebration. And they went to find the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords to celebrate His birth, to celebrate the fact that God had sent a gift into the earth. 
Now, interesting enough, Herod was not open to receiving that gift. Now, if you did not know this, Herod had sent a decree for all the children being born to be put to death during the time that Jesus was to be born. Did you know that? Herod had no intent of worshiping the child. Herod wanted worship for himself. Herod did not want to give the gift of worship because he wasn't able to receive the gift that God had sent for mankind. Herod saw himself as the answer for his people, and the reality was the ruler who had come, been born wrapped in swaddling clothes and laid in a manger, was the answer for mankind, not Herod. So I submit to you that some are able to receive and others are not. But the key to receiving this king, Christ the king, is being able to bow and worship him. The very word worship we've learned here at Gateway means to bow, to bring oneself low. To come to that place of worship, to bring yourself low is the greatest gift you can ever offer God. Why is that? Because when God gave his gift to die on the cross for us, what he did is he put us in a place of simply coming to him that every knee shall bow and tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. And it's in our bowing that we return a gift to God. And that's the gift of acknowledging his son. There's no greater honor we could pay to our heavenly father than to acknowledge the one and only begotten son of God. It was sent into this earth to die for us. I heard a story about a young African boy who listened intently as his missionary teacher told him why Christians exchanged gifts during uh, Christmas. She told them simply that God gave a gift to us in his son Jesus Christ. And so at Christmas time, what we do is we offer gifts to one another to express our appreciation for what God has done in our life and our love for one another as believers. When Christmas came, the boy brought the teacher a very beautiful shell where uh, she said to him, where did you find such a shell? He told her, how there was only one spot several miles away where they could be found. She said, you shouldn't have gone to the trouble. He said, the walk was part of the gift. You know, I think that to understand that Jesus, who did not consider it robbery to be equal with God, but humbled himself and became a servant. The Bible says humbled himself to the point of death. He wasn't just a servant to God in humbling himself, but he came, became a servant to every sinner on the face of this planet. You think about it that way. He didn't become a servant to righteous people. He became a servant to sinners. He became a servant to people who didn't deserve it. Now, we all know about the Santa list, right? The naughty and the nice. Have you seen those commercials, by the way? You know, that, that the red Mercedes is for the naughty ones and the white Mercedes are for the, you know, the ones who've been nice. Isn't that the way our world is, though? It begins to kind of pervert all of that and say, naughty or nice, who cares? Everybody gets a gift. Funny enough, our God was that way. Because all of our righteousness are like filthy rags, the Bible says. When you think about it, if we want to draw a comparison of ourselves to those who are not so good, the reality is, is God sent his son to die for all mankind. He wasn't a gift that he just gave to some. Christ was a gift that God gave to all. Can you say amen, saints? Hmm. See, it's a new perspective on giving, if you will, but it's true. 
Some of you probably spent more money than you should during this Christmas season. You might have gone into a little bit of debt. Hopefully you did not go into a lot of debt in Jesus' name. But if you went into a little bit of debt, the reality is, is it's probably just part of the walk that you're taking to express to those you love how much you love them by giving them gifts. But whatever you do, give them the greatest gift, and that is the gift of following Christ. As I shared yesterday, it's so important for us not to follow the ways of the world because the ways of the world are so deceiving but the ways of God are always going to lead us into a righteous place. Amen. You know, uh, God so loved the world. We learned yesterday, John three sixteen, that he gave. He gave his only son. And you know, what he really gave to us was love. Jesus is, and, and let this, if anything, penetrates our hearts and minds for this Christmas season. Understand this. God gave you. Why don't you say this with me? God gave me his son. God gave me his love. It's the greatest thing, I think, that we could ever understand about who our heavenly father is. This Christmas, I hope my gift to you is to remind you that you are loved, no matter how dark the world may be, that you can live in God's light, in his love, in his grace. God loves you so much that Jesus left perfection and peace in heaven to come to earth as a baby in a manger so he could die as a lamb of God on the cross for our sins not all gifts are so good though in this life I read a story of another child with a different kind of gift it was told by a lady by the name of Diane Matthews in an article in focus on the family magazine some some years ago I read this and one of the things I do when I read stories is I file them and especially for Christmas and, and times like these. And this one's one of those moments that can remind us that not all gifts are what they seem to be. She says, I was enjoying first grade to the fullest until one day in December when a little girl behind me set a little present on her desk. It was the tiniest Christmas present imaginable, less than an inch on each side. <coughs> Excuse me, would you bring me more water, honey? with white glossy paper tied up with silver and red cellophane. Immediately, I was captivated. I had never seen anything so exquisite. Day after day, the tiny gift caught my eye, and my active imagination tried to guess what, might, uh, what miniature treasure might be inside. It had to be something, something wondrous beyond description. I longed for that object with all the power a five-year-old can muster. Finally, I became con convinced that it should be mine. I deserved it because I desired it. Since I rode an early bus to school, it was a simple matter to slip into the empty classroom one morning. My hands eagerly tore open the tiny present. Inside, I found nothing. Staring at the destruction in my hand, anticipation dissolved into disappointment and confusion. Gradually, my stunned mind grasped the fact that the little package had been nothing more than a hollow decoration. I sat at my desk with the empty paper, an empty feeling, sickness by the knowledge, sickened by the knowledge of my guilt. Little did I know that morning that this scene would repeat itself many times in my life. As I grew up, the world enticed me with all sorts of shiny, gaily wrapped presents. 
They caught my eye and promised happiness. Too often when I accepted what the world was offering and tore away the wrappings, my excitement ex uh, expectations were replaced by feelings of emptiness. Over and over I found myself proving the old cliche, you can't judge a gift by its wrapping. When you have all been given, uh, we have all been given empty gifts in life. Many times we do everything we can to get these gifts, only to find out that they're empty once we open them. There is only one gift that will ever satisfy, and that is the gift of Jesus Christ. It's an eternal gift. It lasts forever. This world is simply passing away. We are from another place. The Bible declares us pilgrims, sojourners, that we're going through this place to another place. And when our eyes are set on heaven the way God intended them to be, we understand truly the gift that he's given us in his son, Jesus Christ. Can you say amen? Another story about a child with a similar gift was, uh, it was an exciting time and, and a young man named Sammy. Sammy was mentally handicapped, uh, some would say retarded. And uh, one Christmas time, little Sammy was so excited. He was 15 years old. <coughs> Excuse me. <coughs> and um, he just saw Christmas as the most wonderful time. He was a happy child despite his handicap. You see, he was two years behind others in school. And he did things that most boys do still. He played ball, roared, uh, excuse me, rode his bike, not roared his bike. Finished, uh, 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 excuse me, fished, climbed trees, and other stuff. And for the most part, kids were not too mean to Sammy. Sometimes they laughed and called him stupid Sammy. But Sammy just didn't seem to hear them. He just enjoyed life, every part of it. To him, life was full of wonder and amazement. And Christmas was the most wonderful time of all. It was Christmas Eve and both, sky, uh, both the sky and ground were white with snow. It was 8 o'clock, time to go to church for the an annual Christmas Eve celebration. Sammy could hardly wait. He was so excited, wondering what present would be under the tree for him this year. Last year, he got a telescope. Every year on Christmas Eve, after the service, all the children would gather around the huge Christmas tree, and each one was handed a present, the white elephant, with their name on it. And even though Sammy was a little old for this, he was still allowed to take part. Sammy's parents left early that night because his mother was singing a solo silent night and she wanted to practice so they uh, so they were the first to arrive at church and when they the dad opened the door well you can guess it sammy made a beeline for the tree after a few minutes he began to worry as he looked for a present with his name on it because he couldn't find one then his eyes caught hold of a big box the biggest present that was under the tree he slowly walked over to it lifted the card and there in great big letters was his name sammy he couldn't believe it. The biggest present was his, and his mind began thinking at the speed of light what all the possibilities of what could be inside. Maybe it was a bike, a TV, a horse, a tent. What was it? Sammy could barely stand it, but he knew he had to wait. Sammy really did enjoy the service for the next three days, it felt. Finally, it was over, and all the children rushed to the huge tree. Preacher Joe started picking up presents and calling out names. Sarah... Bobby, Susan, Sammy was on the edge of his seat. He was about to burst with anticipation. The preacher Joe walked over to the big box and said, well, let's see whose name is on this one. 
But before he could read the name, Sammy bolted beside him and said, It's mine, Preacher Joe. So it is, Joe replied. Sammy took the box and gently took off the bow. His heart was racing like a jackhammer. His mom and dad stood beside him, smiling, enjoying their son's excitement. Sammy removed all the paper and laid it beside the box. And then he began to remove the lid. In his mind, all the things he had hoped to see flashed before his eyes in seconds. Finally, Sammy, Sammy uh, got the box open and looked inside and saw nothing. He saw nothing. Someone had played a trick on stupid Sammy. When Sammy lifted his head, huge tears were streaming down his face. Who would do something so cruel? Who would play such a mean trick on Sammy? The box was empty. Every day all around the world, this same trick is played on thousands, millions of people. You know, reflect back on our scripture real quick here. Herod, even for the people of Israel, was playing the same trick on them, promising himself to be a great ruler for them when God had provided the greatest ruler of all time. You know what? We're not meant to look to anybody. We're not meant to look to any other human being the way that we look to God. And we have others in our life and those relationships are meaningful. Leaders may be in our life and those relationships are important. Parents are in our life and those relationships are important. Teachers, coaches, whatever it may be. But the reality is we're not meant to worship anybody else. We're meant to worship God and God alone. Why? Because every other person in our lives will do nothing but turn up empty promises. It's just that way. Why? Because all have fallen short of the glory of God. Our hearts, our minds need to be stayed upon the Lord. Can you say amen, saints? And at Christmas time, it's not hard to see people racing around and chasing every other promise, every other empty box, if you will. And we're the ones that carry the present of God, if you will, wrapped up in our witness as we share the story of Christ. So that they too can come to that place of looking to the only one that will ever provide them a present that's eternal, unmistakable, and full of God's glory. Amen? I have one other story I want to share uh, as I close. And this one uh, reflects on a person by the name of Bret Hart who wrote a story about some miners in a camp. And it goes like this. He wrote a story about the Wild West called The Luck of Roaring Camp. Roaring Camp was the meanest, toughest mining town in all the West. There were more murders and thefts than any other place around. Roaring Camp was inhabited entirely by men except for one woman who made her living in the only way she knew how. Her name was uh, Cherokee Sal. Eventually, Cherokee Sal became pregnant and gave birth to a baby. She died in childbirth, and no one knew who the father might be. The men put the baby in an old wooden box, the baby girl, excuse me, in an old wooden box with some old rags under her. Somehow, that just didn't seem right, so one of the men rode 80 miles to buy a rosewood cradle. When they put the rags and the baby in the beautiful new cradle, the rags just didn't look right, so another man rode to Sacramento and purchased some silk and lacy blankets. The men lined the rosewood cradle with the silk and tucked 
the new blanket around the little baby girl. But then someone noticed that the floor under the cradle looked dirty. The next thing you knew, a few of those big, tough men got down on their hands and knees and scrubbed the floor until it was spotless. Of course, then the walls and the ceiling and the uh, dirty windows looked awful. So they washed down the walls and the ceilings, and they even hung some clean white curtains on the window. Things were beginning to look a lot better. But they soon realized that they had to give up their carousing and fighting. After all, the baby needed a lot of sleep, and babies can't sleep during a brawl. <laughs> Besides all that, the baby didn't like angry voices or frowning faces. So the men started smiling and talking in pleasant, cheerful tones. And since, the babies, since babies shouldn't be left alone, they set the cradle by the entrance of the mine, and one of the men stayed next to her while the others worked. Then somebody noticed how ugly the mine entrance was, so they planted some flowers and, and made a small garden near the cradle. And as they worked, the men looked for the shiny little stones that they could show the baby and watch her gurgle and coo. But when they held the stones down near her, they saw that their hands looked black and dirty. And they didn't want to scare the little baby with their scraggly hair and wild beards. Pretty soon, the general store sold out of soap and gear. The baby changed everything. And the story gives a small picture of the way the baby changed everything for us. See, Sometimes we work too hard to try and clean ourselves up to give a gift to God rather than realizing that the gift that God gave us in the baby came along to change us, to change us from the inside out. See, those men changed from the inside out. Why? Because they loved the baby. It's interesting how God can work in our lives. As we learned that yesterday, that work that he's begun in us, that he promises to perform until the day of the Lord Jesus Christ. What, what is Advent all about? Advent is all about anticipation, awaiting the coming of our Lord and Savior. See, the first Advent was awaiting the Messiah. Well, he came as a baby. And that baby changed everything. And now we stand and we wait for the coming of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, that the Son of God will one day come back again. For a bride without spot or wrinkle he'll come back for his church those who have placed their faith in jesus christ all i can say is that if we tell the story right if we hear the story right the baby changes everything can you say amen to that amen. let me read this scripture as i close tonight <clears throat> this man came uh, this is uh, where john the baptist in john 1 7 through 9 and this is about john the baptist because he was the forerunner who would tell of the Christ. But the way John told of the Christ is what we celebrate tonight in our Advent. We've lit all the candles. We've lit the candle of hope. We've lit the candle of peace. We've lit the candle of joy. And we've lit the candle of love. But tonight we light the Christ candle. And in lighting that candle, it's the expression of the light of God. That's what Advent's really all about. It's reflecting on the light that you see from these candles, that Jesus is the light that God sent into the world. Listen to this passage now as you reflect upon that. This is about John the Baptist. This man came for a witness to bear witness of the light, Jesus, that all through him might believe. 
He was not that light, but was sent to bear witness of that light. That was the true light, which gives light to every man coming into the world. Yesterday I talked about the fact that Jesus, before we read that wonderful scripture about God so loved the world, that Jesus was expressing to Nicodemus the importance of being born again. He said, you must be born again to inherit the kingdom of God. And for us, there is only one way to be born again. And that's by placing our faith in Jesus Christ. If you believe in your heart and you confess with your mouth, Jesus Christ is Lord, you shall be saved. It's very simple. The baby changes everything, amen? The wise men understood that. Herod didn't. For all mankind, when we think about the gospel of Jesus Christ and what it is, there are those that fall to the side of Herod. They'll rule their own life. And then there are those like the wise men who understand it. They get it. They get that the baby changed everything. And they made a journey. See, the walk was part of their gift to him. The walk to him was part of their gift. But in walking to them, they also gave gifts to express that he was greater than they. Herod wasn't willing. The wise men were. Just like I said yesterday, if we had a scale and we was to measure basically what's most important and what are we worshiping, what's most important in our lives. If Jesus is in the scale over here and the cares of this world and the things of this world are over here, what is going to weight the scale the most in our life? And if I could say Christmas is about anything, Christmas is a time for us to assess that. Christmas is a time to give. And to give is greater than to... That's right. So I'm going to light the candle, and as we do, I want you to just sit and reflect as the team sings. And then we'll all stand on the last song, which is Silent Night, and light our candles. Tonight, these candles just symbolize that the Christ candle and symbol of Him, but off of that light, every light in this room, every candle in this room is lit from the One, Jesus. Father, we thank You again for Jesus. We thank you for his love. We thank you for his sacrifice. We thank you for his grace, his truth, and the light that he shines in our lives. Lord, I pray that your blessings, Lord God, would truly overshadow each and every one of us. Fathers, we go home tonight to celebrate with family tomorrow, God. And Lord, in the coming year, I pray that all of us are inspired to pursue Christ at greater levels, Lord. At higher heights than we ever have i pray our prayer life father would be enriched lord as we read your word that god it would just come to life to us because we yield to the holy spirit as he guides us into all truth he comforts us lord and he teaches us lord your word declares that we don't need another to teach us but that the holy spirit will teach us i pray god in 2013 that each of us will yield to the Spirit of God and let Him be our teacher and our guide and leader in greater ways than we ever have so that, Father, we can see heaven manifest and Your will manifest in our life 
in greater ways than it ever had. God, I bless your people as we go tonight. In Jesus' name. And everybody said? Amen. Amen. Okay. Now, on the count of three, we're going to extinguish these, understanding that we don't extinguish the light that's on the inside of us. Amen? Amen. All right. One, two, three.